0: Well, good afternoon. Now, I've got a job to keep you all awake. (laughs) And I didn't bring any erasers or other things to throw at you, so you're just going to have to work at staying awake. I understand this has been a good conference. I got in on the tail end of it, and just the announcements were exciting to me. (laughs) Take your Bible, go to the book of Acts And go to chapter number 8 of the book of Acts. The pastor of this church and I have been friends longer than he and I want to remember, but we thank God for opportunities we had to go place after place and share our faith and explain to people how to come to Jesus Christ. That's what this is about this afternoon, coming to Christ. It's possible there are people in this building today, and you've been under conviction because you have yet to lead anybody to Jesus. That's okay. Long as there's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, you're gonna to have lots of opportunities to get the gospel out. And we're gonna to try to put some things in your hands. If you want to look this up in the book, what's it called? Elements for an effective evangelistic encounter. 123. Brother Jim, you be good to your wife here. I'm awfully close. You understand that. I just wanted you to know that. (laughs) Y'all are laughing at things not even funny. (laughs) Pastor said, I hope you can keep this crowd awake. I said, they'll have to stay awake on their own. I'm just going to preach. I hope that somehow something that's said this afternoon will hit a nerve, strike a chord, help you take your next spiritual step. We can reach out and touch somebody for the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime somebody comes to Jesus, a brand new life starts. Amen. If you miss that, you'll miss so winning. Because every time somebody comes to Jesus, a brand new life starts. I don't want anybody to forget that because that's what I'm all about. And that's what most evangelists are about. Most evangelists I know are like... Brother Jim and others, you want to see people come to the king. You want to see them be under the sound of the word. You want to see them get the gospel, and you want to help them to understand what it takes to repent and believe the gospel. And I hope this will help you this afternoon. I know you just got to sit down, but I'm going to make you miserable, so stand up again, will you? (laughs) Amen. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip and saying, "Arise and go towards the south, unto the way which goeth down to Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert." And he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, the eunuch, and a great under great authority under Candace the queen and of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning, and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, I'm in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, and join thyself unto this chariot. And Philip, what's the next word? Ran. Thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and say, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a t- lamb dumb before the shears; So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation and his judgment was, was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaks the prophet this, of himself or another man. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, everybody say the word, Jesus. Can't hear you. Jesus. And it was then that they went on their way. They came under the certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water what doth hinder me from being baptized. By the way, Philip did believe in baptism. Think about it. And Philip said, If thou believest that with thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they that went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And Philip was found in Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. I want to talk to you about elements for an effective evangelistic encounter. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God and the God of the Word. Neither will change. Both can change us. Would you take your time and meet our needs today. I don't know what all needs to happen in my life. But whatever it is, I'm wide open to it. Because you're God and I'm just your servant. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will help us to take another spiritual step. So when we leave this place and go to our next gathering. We'll have gotten at least one thing out of this one session. That can change us for life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Evangelism is not an option, it's an obligation. Mark 16:15, "Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts chapter one and verse eight, ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth." I wonder if you understand this matter of witnessing is not an obligation, but an occupation. It's not something we just do occasionally, it's something we need to do with an obsession. God did not say to you, you will be a member of the Christian Anonymous. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me. In this passage of scripture some years ago, I was reading through it and I began to mark up my Bible and I marked up other scents. But it was just recently, actually in the last couple of years, that I started preaching on the elements of effective evangelistic encounters. In this passage of Scripture, I want you to notice, first of all, the soul winner. The soul winner. A person who's made himself available to God so that he can reach out and touch lives and bring as many to Jesus Christ as possible. Philip was, first of all, a man who was available. A man who was available. He was a charactered, controlled, and God-sent evangelist. Let me show you how controlled he was. Go back in your Bible, please, to Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter number 6. I want to catch you up in verse 7. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, of whom also they may appoint over this business. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word of God. If you go on down in verse 6. "...whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them." This man made himself available to God for whatever God wanted him to do. Whoever he was supposed to talk to, whoever he came in contact with, he was made a deacon. But this man became more than just a deacon. He became a leader of soul winners, and he also became an evangelist. And his life was centered around the things of God and the people who were in need of what God had for them. How many times do you see people, when you walk up to them, and the first thing you think is, heaven or hell? Everybody you meet today is going to ultimately go to heaven or hell. And if you haven't got that, I can't give it to you. I can preach it. I can shout it. I can encourage you. But nobody gives another man a burden for souls but God Almighty. So here's a man who is a deacon, and he's made himself available. He reads from Isaiah chapter 52. He's not only a man who's available, but second of all, he is an active man. He's an active man. He's involved in soul winning and getting out the gospel to everybody that he can meet and come in contact with. The Bible says in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying to him, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. I don't see any debate, do you? Well, I don't think I have quite enough education. Forgive me. But you can lead somebody to Christ if you just went to the first grade. Amen. Amen. I'm going to make some of you upset, and that's okay. At least you'll listen. I went on to seminary. I went all the way through and got my doctorate. So I'm not opposed to it. But It doesn't make you a soul winner. Amen. Passion. Makes you a soul winner. Mm -hmm. Seeing people in their needs makes you a soul winner. Not just getting education. Matter of fact, I learned that the longer I stayed in seminary, the colder I could get because I was just looking at people as people Mm -hmm. rather than as never dying souls. He was 88 years of age, lived in Minnesota. He said, I would get up every morning, and I asked God this, to whom are you sending me today? 88 years of age. Anybody here in this building 105? No 105ers. Well, I know a man's 105, and he's still soul winning. You say, where is he? He's in a nursing home, and he's in good health. And I asked the pastor the last time I saw the pastor, I said, "Well, how many people has he led to Christ in the last four or five years he's been in that home?" And he said, "78." Amen. 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 For some of you that felt like you're getting older, that one just slipped away.." <laughs> so here's a man that's available. He said, "God, who do you want me to witness to today?" Well, he was over and leading people to Christ and uh, folks were getting ready to get baptized in the city and the Holy Spirit of God says, I want you to go and I want you to witness to this man, the Ethiopian eunuch. I can almost hear Philip as he said, this man, You mean this one over here that's reading a Bible in his chariot? That guy? Yeah, that guy. And that's the one I'm supposed to lead to Christ. Right. The Bible doesn't say anything except he ran. By the way, if you're sitting here and you're having a hard time getting inoculated and getting initiated and getting a part of evangelism, you don't have the same spirit that Philip had because whoever he was appointed to go witness to, he went to. Number three, and I want you to notice his ability. In verse 31, he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? This is the Ethiopian eunuch speaking to Philip, and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he was read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before the shear, he, so he opened his mouth. He said, I need somebody to come up in this moving chariot that I have and explain this to me because I'm reading these words and I get, I get pretty much the idea but I'm not exactly sure what he had to understand. Oh, boy, was Philip excited about that. He said, slide over, Rover. We're going to talk to you about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who can save. It's not Jesus plus a bunch of people. It's Jesus Christ alone. D.O. Moody met a woman, and she had all kinds of things to say to him. And he said, oh, lady, just slide over a minute and let me explain to you how to get saved. She said, I don't want to be saved. And he said, you need to be. I'm D.L. Moody. Yes, sir. (laughs) Because everybody had heard of D.L. Moody. I wonder when somebody calls your name, do they ever say, could you come over to my house and guide me through this passage of Scripture? Do you have enough knowledge? Yeah, I- I'm sorry to pick on your seminary. I really am. But every one of you in this building that's never been to Bible college can be just as good a soul winner as Wayne Van Gilder. Amen. And I didn't expect you to get up and applaud. You need to sit there and think about the fact that God Almighty has placed the Holy Spirit inside of you so that you can take the Word of the living God and give it to a group of men and women who will die and spend eternity damned, doomed, and cursed without Jesus Christ. Guide me. The Word means with authority, teach me. Interpret it for me. Help me to understand it. That is what a soul winner is. He's a person who is active. He is available. And he is able. Now let's pause there for just a moment and ask you this question. How many of you are that good? How many of you are that active? How many of you are sitting on the edge of your seat saying... I wish you'd just preach fast. i got to get out and do some soul winning. It's easy to talk about. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's easy to sit around lunch and talk about those that we have in the past witnessed to, but we've just been so busy getting ready for this meeting. We what? We just didn't witness, did we? And I'll tell you why it's quiet in the room. It means God's hit you hard. Pray. 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 Number one, I want you to notice the soul winner. Or the, the, uh, what I'm trying to teach you is the, the soul winner and who he is and what he does. Number two, I want you to notice the Holy Spirit. There's four elements the Bible says in verse 29, Then the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, said unto him, Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Hey, Phil, see this chariot right in front of you? See the one that's barely moving? See the fellow inside of it's reading? It's not somebody else, it's that guy. Well, I hate to ask this, but how many people have you passed that you should have witnessed to And you said, maybe next time. And you never saw him again. And don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Because we've all done that. So here is this man. And he's sitting in the chariot. The Holy Spirit of God knows who needs to be saved. And who wants to be saved. And he even sets him up. I read about a guy that was in Africa. He was sent there by a shoe company. The pre- previous guy that had gone there just gave up. They didn't wear any shoes. They weren't very uh, intelligent. They were just kind of common people. The guy came home and he said, send somebody else nobody wants shoes over there. The second guy went over there and he stood there and he saw all these people with no shoes. He immediately made a phone call and said, tell them to empty the factory and send all the shoes they have over here. I've got a great population to sell them to. <laughs> you know why? Because he was a man of conviction and he knew that those people needed shoes to do the work God wanted them to do. Under that, I want you to notice his conviction. Verse 29 The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. He had personal convictions about who could hear the gospel and who could be saved. Take your Bible, go to the gospel of John, and go with me to chapter 16 of the gospel of John. And look down, please, at verse 13. Howbeit when he the Spirit of truth, I love that phrase. When he the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. You know one thing wonderful about the Holy Spirit of God, when you get connected with Him, if you listen to Him, you will never make a mistake because He's never made one. And speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Now watch verse 14, and He shall glorify me. He's going to prophesy and glorify. He's going to tell you about your future, and He's going to tell you why you need Jesus. And if you listen to Him, then you can give me glory because I work through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll listen to what He's telling you and how to give the gospel, many will come to Jesus while you're still alive on planet Earth. Well, you know, I witness, but I don't see many people saved. Then evidently, God is not working in your area of the country. or you're not working very well in your area of the country. Right. Amen. Now, I realize in some areas of countries, they'll have more people saved than you will in other areas. But everybody ought to see somebody coming to Jesus. Amen. Amen. I preached in some of the hardest areas in the 56 different nations that I preached in around this world. I've seen all kinds of people who should not get saved, but if you tell them the gospel more than once, they get in a conviction And they ultimately do get saved. Amen. There is the conviction of the soul winner. Second, I want you to notice the conversion by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in verses thirty-three and verse thirty-four, "In His humiliation and His judgment was taken away. Who hath declared His generation? For His life is taken from the earth." And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaks this prophet, of himself or of this man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, say the word, Jesus. When's the last time your whole focus in giving the gospel was Jesus? Amen. Why would you give somebody Jesus who doesn't even know they're in sin? You say, Preacher, you're making me upset. Wonderful. (laughs) Because until you get upset, you'll probably never witness to anybody. If you want to be God's messenger with God's message, then you have to go and speak the things that God spoke to you. Third is the celebration. The Holy Spirit of God brings conviction because He is the God of conviction. He brings conversion because He shows people how to pass from death unto life. And He brings celebration because He does two things. In verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began to the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. The word preach means to herald the truth, to announce with authority to tell people the definite, desperate need they have of the Holy Spirit of God entering in their life and taking away their sin and making them a new creature in Christ Jesus. He says, I don't ever remember that happening to me. If you ever get saved, you will. You say, preacher, you're being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm just trying to tell you there's a whole lot of people who've made professions that have no possession." Because when possession comes, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. So he preached. He announced the gospel. When was the last time you went soul winning, excited to go? Boy, now there's the one that'll get you. Well, you know, we usually go out on Wednesday night before soul winning time, and before the and you're miserable about that you're miserable that you have the opportunity one more time to tell one more person about the king of the ages who if they repent and believe the gospel can be born of the spirit of God one of two things is wrong this afternoon either you've amanned yourself out Are your war out. I don't plan to keep you here forever, but I am going to remind you that there's two key factors in salvation. One is the preaching of the good news of the gospel and all the elements of it. Amen. And number two, the Bible tells us in verse 37: Philip said, If thou believest that thou mayest thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he commanded, verse 38, and the chariot to stand still, and they went down into the water. I want to read that again. And they both went down into the water. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And the eunuch saw him no more. Philip And the eunuch were together for a short period of time, long enough for the eunuch to get saved by the grace of God. And then God said, now I've got somebody else over here in Azotus and that's where I want you to go. But do you realize if he had not listened to the Holy Spirit of God, he would have known where to go? Now I don't mean that all of a sudden today you're going to leave here in a few minutes and when you walk out you're going to be just moved by the Holy Spirit of God to go right across the street and witness to that guy standing on the street corner. That's not what I'm saying. If God tells you to go over there, you better. But that may not be what He does. But I'm always concerned about somebody that's got something else to do besides share their faith. Number one, you have the soul winner. Number two, you have the Holy Spirit. Number three the sinner. Let's go back up to verse 27. And he, gave, he arose and went. And behold, the man from Ethiopia. Here's a man that's from out of his country. He's up in another area, a eunuch of great authority. He's under the authority of Candace the queen. Actually, that's a title for this woman. And uh, he's the treasurer of all of her finances and of the nation. Truth of the matter is, this man was somebody. He wasn't saved. Do you realize the most important person that you know that's not saved is a person who needs that honor? They need to understand that Jesus wants them to be born into his family by Christ alone. And that's that first word, his honor, his honor. Second is his hunger. If you look at verse 31, you'll read, he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? Well, i got to take my hat off to this guy. For a man who's a pagan, he's religious, but he's a religious pagan. He sure was hungry for God, wasn't he? And so he is a prospect, not a suspect. Y'all know the difference? See, I haven't been here all week, so I don't know what's been said. I'm going to just repeat it again. (laughs) This man came to Christ because Christ already knew he would come. Christ sent a man who would preach the gospel. And he didn't have to preach a whole lot of gospel because he's already read a lot of gospel. And what he needs is a person to guide him along the road of salvation. Then I want you to notice, thirdly, his humility. His humility. In verse 36, they went on their way, and when they came to a certain water, the eunuch said, See, here's water, what doth hinder me from being baptized? Now, where in the world did he get that word? I don't know where you think he got it, but I believe he got it from Philip. I don't find it anywhere else in the package, past you, a package do you? I, I believe that's where he got it. Jerry Daniels was a missionary in Kenya. I met Jerry years and years ago at a church. Talked to him between Sunday school and church. He preached in Sunday school, and I was going to preach in church. And he told about all the people that he'd run into who said, Can you come to our village? Can you tell our people about Christ? And he'd gone to as many as he could. And he'd come to the United States to see if he could recruit some help. And I said, I'm a young evangelist, and I'd love to come. The question is, who's going to translate? He said, You come, and I'll translate. I said, I'll be there. Six months later, a fellow named Steve and I went. I was going down six miles into the heart of this African nation. And it dawned on me about halfway down, this ought to be interesting since I don't know a word of what they speak. And I said to the guy taking me down, do you know any of this? Well, he said, I know all of it. He said, I even know the sublanguage to it. The boy was only 17. I said, okay. So we got down there, and I thought, now how am I going to do this? I know what I'll do. I'll take this guy right here. I said, sir, do you know how you got to this place called Planet Earth? Huh? Huh? That was about his whole communication. Huh? And I said, Lord, we're going to have to have a crowd breaker with this one. And you're going to have to be the one who breaks the crowd. It wasn't long until that man was under such conviction. He'd gotten others to come over and others to come over until the entire village was sitting in front of us. You have to understand sitting over here were all the men and sitting over here were all the women and children. And so I went through it again and they listened and then I said, Steve, it's your turn. He said, what should I preach on? I said, I've got them lost. I've got them all the way up to the place where Adam and Eve got, and they knew they were lost and they needed Jesus. And so why don't you just talk about the cross? And he got up and he began to preach and the people were listening. It wasn't too long until some of them were crying. This is the first time, by the way, we know the gospel was in that village. And we went to cry at a few of them like that. And then he said, what do I do now? And I said, turn it over to Jerry. Jerry had started many, many churches among the Maasai. He said, now, in your culture, if you offend a man and you want his forgiveness, you go and you get a goat. And you bring that goat to the person that you've offended and you present it to him with the every anticipation that he will understand what forgiveness means. Forgiveness is when you take your hands off of him and forgive him and let it go. And Steve and I are standing to the side weeping. You, you, you had to been in this place. I had no idea where we even were. You say, preacher, where all have you been? You don't want to know. But I can tell you this. The farther you get into the darkest part of the jungles of Africa, the more you'll know there is a God. And it wasn't long until six men trusted Jesus Christ that day. I kicked up my heels, I applauded, I shouted, and they looked at me like I'd lost my mind, and I said, I have. I've lost it being thankful that you understood the gospel. I got ready to go back and the chief of the village came up and he said, you have any idea what just happened today? He said, do you realize these women and these men are all interested in being saved? Some of you have never seen that. You've heard about it, but you've never seen it. I'd love to see it every day of my life, but I know I won't. But I'll tell you this, every time I get a chance, I'm going back to a place like that to share my faith. Good. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, I just don't know if I can do it, then you don't quite understand what I'm saying. His name is Michael Merzucco. We bought a house, the one we now live in, It was back in 211, shortly after the 209 scare that many of you remember. They were trying to give houses away, and for some reason they sent Michael. It's the first time I ever met him. He was the number three man in the company, but I didn't know that. Sure was a nice guy. We went out and took a look at a piece of property, and I asked all kinds of questions, and He said, do you know much about this property? I said, no, sir, my wife wants all these answers. That's the reason I'm asking these questions. (laughs) And he said, well, this is what we have for sale. And I said, well, I'm not really interested, but I think my wife is. (laughs) So why don't you explain to her why I'm not going to buy this for her? And I went on with the gospel, and finally Michael said, are you a preacher? I said, I am. He said, I've been reading the book of Revelation. I said, oh, you have. (laughs) Last name, Marzucco. Everybody still here? And so I went over the gospel, and he said, I have never heard that. I said, that's the reason you can't understand the writings of John because he was born again and he received Christ and he lived inside him. I said, what you need to do is come hear me preach. I said, I'll be back in this area in two weeks. He said, I'll be there. My wife and I took he and his wife out to eat a few days later, witness to her. She was not ready. But he came by himself. I still remember when he walked in the back. And he sat down and I preached the gospel. I think we had six or eight men saved that night. He wrapped his arms around my neck and he said, thank you. I understand and I'm saved. Amen. 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 But you know, I wanted to be saved the first time I talked to him. Now, I know you're not like that. I wouldn't, that wouldn't be I am. And I hope I don't ever lose it. Amen. I always feel for people that they can wait 150, 200, 250 times. you got a patience I don't have, buddy. After two times, get in, man, get in. Amen. <laughs> then the final thing I want you to see, and we'll go home, I want you to see the Scripture. The Scripture. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Philip came with a book of answers. He traveled over 200 miles into Jerusalem. He received letter A, the Word. He personally received it and got so excited about receiving it, he wanted everybody that he met to get it and to get in the family of God and be saved by the Word of God. Do you get excited about holding the book in your hand that is more powerful than dynamite? When was the last time you got excited about holding a book more powerful than dynamite? Number two, he responded to the word. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and to preach that Jesus was Christ. And then finally, he rejoiced in the word. The Bible tells us in verse 39 that when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of God called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way. What's the next word? Oh. You're about ready for me to quit, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'm about ready to quit. He went on his way doing what? Now, that woke up some of you. I, I wish I could tell you the people that I've seen saved and excited, including this past week. Sunday morning, there were about 25 people in the Sunday morning service. You still preach in churches like that? Yeah, I do too. If there's 25 people there, somebody needs Jesus, and I found out five of the 25 needed Jesus. Amen. Amen. He said, good night, I've got 450 and I can't get any of them down the aisle. Why don't you get out and knock on some doors and bring them in. Amen. 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 But you're going to have to get some people there who are in need of the Lord Jesus Christ. One pastor said, my burden is I don't have one. Did I just give your testimony? Warren Wearsby said what a person is really like asking three questions. Number one, what makes you laugh? Number two, what makes you angry? And number three, what is it that doesn't or won't put you on your knees and make you weep? F.B. Myers said one thing that pierces the Master's heart with utter grief is not the world's iniquity, it's the church's indifference. Not the world's iniquity, it's the church's indifference. By the way, if in this brief message you've gotten a little bit upset with me because I'm in your face, you don't want to come back tonight. I think it's time that we who name the name of Jesus and preach the gospel need to be like old Jim. Old Jim was gone for four days. Couldn't find him. Just a true story, he was a confederate and his men who'd taken a run for the hills said, well, he must have died. And it wasn't too long until he showed up with five Yankee prisoners. True story. And they all said to him, where in the world have you been? And where did you get these five prisoners? And he says, the woods is full of them. Go get yourself some. And for those of you that make fun of everybody who preaches on soul winning. And you won't go. Shame on you. Right. Amen. There's some ladies sitting in this building, and you're sweet ladies, and you're probably a good wife. But you're not much of a soul winner, are you? Some young boys sitting in this room. You're in Bible college and you got Greek and Hebrew figured out. It's been so long since you witnessed anybody, you almost have forgotten how. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's stand and bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for what we've learned today. Do more than just make us snicker here and there and be thankful over here and there. Change us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of every one of us who knows you, get us to share our faith with people that more than likely would not receive it the first time. But somebody's got to tell him once. Yes. Right. And then somebody tells them twice and finally they'll get broken.